0: Section 13 of Lucretia Borgia by Ferdinand Gregorovius. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Emily Maynard. Book 1, Chapter 13, A Regent and a Mother. Lucretia, now Duchess of Bizzelli, had been living since July 1498 with a new husband, a youth of seventeen, she herself having just completed her eighteenth year. She and her consort did not go to Naples, but remained in Rome for as the Manchuan agent reported to his master it was expressly agreed that don alfonso should live in rome a year and that lucretia should not be required to take up her abode in the kingdom of naples during her father's lifetime the youthful alfonso was fair and amiable tallini a roman chronicler of that day pronounced him the handsomest young man ever seen in the imperial city according to a statement made by the Manchuan agent in august lucretia was really fond of him a sudden change in affairs however deprived her of the calm joys of domestic life the moving principle in the vatican was the measureless ambition of caesar who was consuming with impatience to become a ruling sovereign august thirteenth fourteen ninety eight he flung aside the cardinal's robes and prepared to set out for france louis the twelfth who in april had succeeded charles the eighth having promised him the title of duke of valentinois and the hand of a french princess alexander provided for his son's retinue with regal extravagance it happened one day that a train of mules laden with silks and cloth of gold on the way to caesar in rome was plundered by the people of cardinal farnese and of his cousin Pier Paolo in the forest of bolsena whereupon the pope addressed some vigorous communications to the cardinal in whose territory he stated the robbery had been committed in the service of the farnese were numerous corsicans some as mercenaries and bullies some as field-labourers and these people who were universally feared probably were the guilty ones for it is difficult to believe that cardinal alessandro would have undertaken such a venture on his own account it seems however that the relations of the borgias and the farnese were somewhat strained during this period the cardinal spent most of his time on his family estates and at this juncture little was heard of his sister julia it is not even known whether or not she was living in rome and continuing her relations with the pope although from subsequent revelations it appears that she was april second fourteen ninety nine we find the cardinal and his sister again in rome where a nuptial contract was concluded in the Farnese palace between Laura Orsini, Julia's seven year old daughter, and Federico Farnese, the twelve year old son of the deceased condottiere Raimondo Farnese, a nephew of Pier Paolo. Laura's putative father, Orsino Orsini, was present at the ceremony. It was probably Adriana and Julia who were endeavoring to bring about a reconciliation between the house of Orsini and the Borgias. In the spring of 1498, these barons, having issued victorious from their war with the Pope, began a bitter contest with their hereditary foes, the Colonna, which, however, ended in their own defeat. These houses made peace with each other in July, a fact which caused Alexander no little anxiety, for upon the hostility of these, the two mightiest families of Rome depended the Pope's dominion over the city. His greatest danger lay in their mutual friendship. He therefore endeavoured again to set them at loggerheads, and he succeeded in attaching Orsini to himself, which they subsequently had reason to regret. He accomplished his purpose so well that they intermarried with the Borgias. Paolo Orsini, Giampatista's brother, uniting his son Fabio with Girolima, a sister of Cardinal Giovanni Borgia the Younger, September 8, 1498. The marriage contract was concluded in the presence of the Pope, and a brilliant gathering in the Vatican, and one of the official witnesses was Don Alfonso of Bizelli, who held the sword over the young couple. Shortly after, October 1st, Caesar Borgia set sail for France, where he was made Duke of Valentinois, and where in May 1499 he married Charlotte d'Albret, sister of the King of Navarre at this court he met two men who were destined later to exercise great influence upon his career george of amboise archbishop of rouen to whom he had brought the cardinal's hat and giuliano de la the latter hitherto alexander's bitterest enemy now suffered himself by the intermediation of the king of france to be won over to the cause of the borgias he permitted himself even to become caesar's stepping-stone to greatness The reconciliation was sealed by a marriage between the two families, the city prefect, Giovanni della Rovere, Giuliano's brother, betrothing his 18-year-old son, Francesco Maria, to Angela Borgia, September 2, 1500. Angela's father, Giuffre, was a son of Giovanni, sister of Alexander VI, and of Guglielmo Lanzol. Giovanni Borgia, the younger, Cardinal Ludovico, and Rodrigo, captain of the papal guard, were her brothers. Her sister Girolama, as above stated, was married to Fabio Orsini. The ceremony of Angela's betrothal took place in the Vatican in the presence of the ambassador of France. For the purpose of driving Ludovico il Moro from Milan, Louis XII had concluded an alliance with Venice, which the Pope also joined on the condition that France would help his son acquire Romagna. Ascania Sforza, who was unable to prevent the loss of Milan, and who knew that his own life was in danger in Rome, fled July thirteenth, fourteen 1499, to Genazzano and subsequently to Genoa. His example was followed by Lucretia's youthful consort. We do not know what occurred in the Vatican to cause Don Alfonso quietly to leave Rome, where he had spent but a single year with Lucretia. We can only say that his decision must have been brought about by some turn which the Pope's politics had taken. The object of the expedition of Louis the Twelfth was not only the overthrow of the Sforza dynasty in Milan, but also the seizure of Naples. It was intended to be a sequel to the attempt of Charles the Eighth, which was defeated by the Great League. The young prince was aware of the pope's intention to destroy his uncle Federico, who had deeply offended him by refusing to grant Caesar the hand of his daughter Carlotta. After this occurrence, the relations of Lucretia's husband with the pope had altogether changed. Ascania was the only friend the unfortunate prince had in Rome, and it was probably he who had advised him to save himself from certain death by flight, as Lucretia's other husband had done. Alfonso slipped away August 2, 1499. The Pope sent some troopers after him, but they failed to catch him. It is uncertain whether Lucretia knew of his intended flight a letter written in rome by a venetian august fourth merely says the duke of bizella madonna lucretia's husband has secretly fled and gone to the colonna in genizzano he deserted his wife who has been with child for six months and she is constantly in tears she was in the power of her father who highly incensed by the prince's flight banished alfonso's sister donna Sancha to naples Lucretia's position, owing to these circumstances, became exceedingly trying. Her tears showed that she possessed a heart. She loved and perhaps for the first time. Alfonso wrote her from Genizano, urgently imploring her to follow him, and his letters fell into the hands of the Pope, who compelled her to write her husband and ask him to return. It was doubtless his daughter's complaining that induced Alexander to send her away from Rome. August 8th he made her regent of Spoleta, hitherto papal legates usually cardinals had governed this city and the surrounding territory but now the pope entrusted his administration to a young woman of nineteen his own daughter and thither she repaired he gave her a letter to the priors of spoleto which was as follows dear sons greeting and the apostolistic blessing we have entrusted to our beloved daughter in the christ the noble lady lucretia de borgia duchess of biselia the office of keeper of the castle as well as the government of our cities of spoleto and foligno and of the county and district about them having perfect confidence in the intelligence the fidelity and probity of the duchess which we have dwelt upon in previous letters and likewise in your unfailing obedience to us and to the holy see we trust that you will receive the duchess lucretia as is your duty with all due honour as your regent and show her submissions in all things as we wish her to be received and accepted by you with special honour and respect so do we command you in this epistle as you value our favour and wish to avoid our displeasure to obey the duchess lucretia your regent in all things collectively and severally in so far as law and custom dictate in the government of the city and whatever she may think proper to exact of you even as you would obey ourselves and to execute her commands with all diligence and promptness so that your devotion may receive due approbation given in Rome, in St. Peter's, under the papal seal, August 8, 1499. Lucretia left Rome for her new home the same day. She set out with a large retinue, and accompanied by her brother, Don Giuffre, Fabio Orsini, now the consort of Gerolima Borgia, her kinswoman, and a company of archers. She left the Vatican mounted on horseback, the governor of the city, the Neapolitan ambassador, and a number of other gentlemen forming an escort to act as a guard of honor while her father took position in a loggia over the portal of the palace of the vatican to watch his departing daughter and her cavalcade for the first time he found himself in rome deprived of all his children lucretia made the journey partly on horseback and partly in a litter and the trip from rome to spoleto required not less than six days at porcaria in umbria she found a deputation of citizens of spoleto waiting to greet her and to accompany her to the city which had been famous since the time of hannibal and which had been the seat of the mighty Lombard dukes. the castle of spoleto is very ancient its earliest portions dating from the dukes faroald and grimoald in the fourteenth century it was restored by the great gilles d'alborno the contemporary of Rienzi, and it was completed shortly afterwards by nicholas v it is a magnificent piece of renaissance architecture overlooking the old city and the deep ravine which separates it from monteluco from its high windows one may look out over the valley of the clituno and that of the tiber the fertile umbrian plain and on the east to the Apennines. august fifteenth lucretia borgia received the priors of the city to whom she presented her papal appointment whereupon they swore allegiance to her later the commune gave a banquet in her honor Lucretia's stay in Spoleto was short. Her regency there was merely intended to signify the actual taking possession of the territory which Alexander desired to bestow upon his daughter. In the meantime, her husband Alfonso had decided, unfortunately for himself, to obey Alexander's command and return to his wife, perhaps because he really loved her. The Pope ordered him to go to Spoleto by way of Foligno, and then to come with his spouse to Nepi, where he himself intended to be the purpose of this meeting was to establish his daughter as sovereign there also nepi had never been a baronial fief although the prefects of vico and the orsini had held the place at different times the church through its deputies governed the town and surrounding country when alexander was a cardinal his uncle calixtus had made him governor of the city and such he remained until he was raised to the papal throne when he conferred nepi upon cardinal ascanio the neatly written parchment containing the municipal statute confirming ascanio's appointment which is dated january first fourteen ninety five is still preserved in the archives of the city at the beginning of the year fourteen ninety nine however alexander again assumed control of nepi by compelling the castellan who commanded the fortress for the truant ascanio to surrender it to him he now invested his daughter with the castle the city and the domain of nepi september fourth fourteen ninety nine francesco borgia the pope's treasurer who was also bishop of teano took possession of the city in her name september twenty fifth alexander himself accompanied by four cardinals went to nepi in the castle which he had restored he met lucretia and her husband and also her brother don giuffre he returned to rome almost immediately october first On the tenth he addressed a brief from there to the city of Nepi, in which he commanded the municipality thenceforth to obey Lucretia, Duchess of Buzelli, as their true sovereign. On the twelfth he sent his daughter a communication in which he empowered her to remit certain taxes to which the citizens of Nepi had hitherto been subject. Lucretia, therefore, had become the mistress of two large domains, a fact which clearly shows that she stood in high favor with her father she did not again return to spoleto but entrusted its government to a lieutenant although alexander made cardinal gurk legate for perugia and todi early in october he reserved spoleto for his daughter later august tenth fifteen hundred he made ludovico borgia who was archbishop of valencia governor of this city without however impairing his daughter's rights to the large revenue which the territory yielded as early as october fourteenth lucretia returned to rome november first fourteen ninety nine she gave birth to a son who was named in honor of the pope rodrigo her first-born was baptized with great pomp november eleventh in the sistine chapel not the chapel now known by that name but the one which sixtus the fourth had built in st peter's giovanni servillon held the child in his arms and near by were the governor of rome and a representative of the emperor maximilian all the cardinals, the ambassadors of England, Venice, Naples, Savoy, Siena, and the Republic of Florence were present at the ceremony. The governor of the city held the child over the font. The godfathers were Podocatharo, bishop of Caputacqua, and Ferrari, bishop of Modena. In the meantime, October 6th, Louis Twelfth had taken possession of Milan, Ludovico Sforza having fled on the approach of the French forces to the Emperor Maximilian. In accordance with his agreement with Alexander, the king now lent troops to Caesar Borgia to enable him to seize Romagna, where it was proclaimed that the vassals of the church, the Malatesta of Rimini, the Sforza of Pesaro, the Riario of Imola and Forli, the Verano of Camerino, and the Manfredi of Faenza, had forfeited their fiefs to the Pope. Caesar went to Rome November 18th, 1499. He stayed in the Vatican three days, and then set forth again to join his army, which was besieging Imola. It was his intention first to take this city, and then attack Forli, in the castle of which the mistress of the two cities, Caterina Sforza, had established herself for the purpose of resisting him. While he was engaged in his campaigns in Romagna, his father was endeavoring to seize the hereditary possessions of the Roman barons. He first attacked the Gaetani. From the end of the 13th century, this ancient family had held large landed estates in the Campania and Maritima. It had divided into several branches, one of which was settled in the vicinity of Naples. There, the Gaetani were dukes of Trieto, counts of Fundi and Caserta, and likewise vassals and favorites of the crown of Naples. Sermoneta, the center of the domain of the Gaetani family in the Roman Campania, was an ancient city with a feudal castle situated in the foothills of the Volscian mountains. Above it and to one side were the ruins of the great castle of Norba. Below were the beautiful remains of Nimsa, while at its foot, extending to the sea, lay the Pontine marshes. The greater part of this territory, which was traversed by the Appian Way, including the Cape of Circello, was the property of the late Gaetani, to whom it still belongs. At the time of which we are speaking, it was ruled by the sons of Honoratus II, a powerful personality, who had raised his house from ruin. He died in the year fourteen ninety, leaving a widow, Caterina Orsini, and three sons, Nicola the prothonotary, Giacomo, and Guglielmo. His daughter, Giovanella, was the wife of Pierluigi Farnese and mother of Giulia. Nicola, who had married Eleonora Orsini, died in the year 1494. Consequently, next to the proto Giacomo, Guglielmo Gaetani was head of the house of Sormoneta. Alexander lured the proto to Rome, and having confined him in the castle of Sant'Angelo, began a process against him. Guglielmo succeeded in escaping to Mantua, but Nicolas's little son Bernardino was murdered by the Borgia hirelings. Sermoneta was besieged, and its inhabitants surrendered without resistance. As early as March ninth, fourteen ninety nine, Alexander compelled the Apostolic Chamber to sell his daughter the possessions of the Gaetani for eighty thousand ducats. He stated in a document which was signed by eighteen cardinals that the magnitude of the expenditures which he had recently made in the interests of the Holy See compelled him to increase the church property, and for this purpose there were Sermoneta, Bassiana, Ninfa and Norma, Tivera, Cisterna, San Felice, the Cape of Cercello, and San Donato, which owing to the rebellion of the Gaetani might be confiscated this transaction was concluded in february fifteen hundred and lucretia who was already mistress of spoleto and Nepi, thus became ruler of Sermoneta. in vain did the unfortunate giacomo gaetani protest from his prison july fifth fifteen hundred he was poisoned his mother and sisters buried him in san Bartolomeo, which stands on an island in the tiber where the gaetani had owned a palace for a great many years Julia Farnese, therefore, was unable to save her own uncle. She was reminded that Giacomo and Nicola had stood beside her when she was married to the youthful Orsini in 1489 in the Borgia Palace. We do not know whether Julia was living in Rome at this time. We occasionally find her name in the epigrams of the day, and it appears in a satire, Dialogue between Death and the Pope, Sick of a Fever, in which he called upon Julia to save him whereupon death replied that his mistress had borne him three or four children as the satire was written in the summer of fifteen hundred when alexander was suffering from the fever it is probable that his relations with julia still continued caesar who had taken emulat december first fourteen ninety nine was far from pleased when he saw the great estates of the Gaetani, whose revenues he himself could use to good advantage bestowed upon his sister and as he himself wished absolutely to control the will of his father her growing influence in the vatican caused him no little annoyance he had sinister plans for whose execution the time was soon to prove propitious end of section thirteen